DraftKings is not only my favorite sports book, but it's also America's top rated sports book. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So listen to this great offer. DraftKings is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat, and we have a very fun episode for you, and mainly because the great part about the offseason, other than the fact that it's usually summer and nicer weather, but the great part about the offseason is it gives us a chance to kind of step away from the day-to-day of the NHL and take a look back at the history of the NHL, and in this case, the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll be talking today on this episode about the 2010-2011 iteration of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But before we do that, Horwat, when you think back to 2010-2011 and the NHL, what is the first thing that pops into your mind? It was such an interesting season. It was the the Penguins' first season in the then Consol Energy Center, first time they ever played a home game outside of uh, Mellon slash Civic Arena. And just, I mean, let's be real, anytime you think of that season, we all know exactly what happened, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the big discussion here. And it's the season that, it's that, that playoff season especially, it's forgotten all the time. Mm-hmm. which I'm sure is the discussion we will get into. So, I mean, I have the team up in front of me. I'm looking at some of these names, and I am baffled by some of these names. I mean, Joe Vitale played nine games. Dustin Jeffrey played 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, give me another one. Give me another big one. Chris Connor played 60. <laughs> I couldn't tell you who Chris Connor is. Played 60 games. 16 points, actually, though. So, uh not bad for 16 for 60 games i guess i don't know this was an interesting season it was a wild season and it was 10 years ago mm-hmm. exactly so we'll get into all the nitty-gritty of this season throughout this episode but as you mentioned it was the very first season of Consol energy center a brand new building for the pittsburgh penguins the promise to keep the penguins in pittsburgh by mario lemieux this was kind of his magnum opus if you will 
building the new arena, and he finished it off. Basically opened it in style, bringing the old igloo water and ice shavings and dumping it on center ice before the first game. Just a fantastic moment for hockey in Pittsburgh. It was a moment that him coming out on skates was also just added to the moment as well. So if you look back at the pictures, I don't think they do it justice. Just the chills that ran down your spine, especially we were, what, 13, 14 years old. So to see that and know that our favorite team was going to stay in the city that we love from now until eternity, that meant so much watching Lemieux do that. Uh, Yeah, and it's I don't have pictures of it, but I still remember it. I was... Being at that game was awesome. It was a uh, cool moment that you just see Mario walking out from my seats. At least you're not thinking anything of it. Um, but I think you kind of realize there's not like you know the black uh, the walking thing that people have to use when they're walking on mm-hmm. ice at hockey games. Um, and he just downright skated onto the ice, and everyone was like, "What the hell is it?" it in hindsight, when you think about it, it was kind it was a little gimmicky. But at the time, yeah. it was just an incredible, like, yeah, it's to the fans, it looked as if Mario was the first one to skate on the ice at Consult Energy Center. Uh, until further review, you see Crosby and Lemieux both did it at the same time. But that being said, it was still just an incredible moment that being there, um, you don't forget. And I don't know where it is. I have one of those bottles of the Melon Arena ice somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll definitely have to try to find that. It's probably something that you're gonna want to have on display. It's definitely at, at your new apartment. It's definitely not in a basement locked up somewhere. I know that. Yeah. It's definitely displayed somewhere because it was displayed in uh, at my house in Mount Washington, if you remember correctly. I do. Yeah, it was... I, I I do. So the Penguins open up Console Energy Center in style with Mario Lemieux, and then unfortunately they don't follow it up with a good first twenty games. I mean they finish. Pretty much 500 in the first 20 with a 10-8-2 record. It's okay for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but not great, especially when you're having the high expectations of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in this season, hoping that they go on a run, being a couple years removed from their first Stanley Cup. And then all of a sudden, bang, a 12-game win streak for the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the longest of the Sidney Crosby era. He had 14 goals and 23 points, he being Sidney Crosby in that 12-game win streak and really set the Penguins on a pace above going into the second month of the season. And then if you just look at Crosby overall in that first half of the season, the first 13 games, he had six goals and 15 points. So that's a decent stretch for Sid the Kid. That That's something that he was doing pretty much on a normal basis at that point of his career. And then he hits a 25-game point streak. Also, one of the longest point streaks of his career from November 5th to December 28th. And in that 25 games, he had 26 goals and 24 assists for 50 points. So on a pace of two points per game in that two month span, and he just completely put the team on his back. And of course that point streak ended on December 29th of 2010 in a two to one shootout loss to the New York Islanders who are a team that, has kind of been intertwined with the Pittsburgh Penguins more so than just these past few seasons. So that 2-1 to shootout loss ends Crosby's 25-game point streak. And if you're the Penguins, you're looking at that and saying, you know what, that's fine. He's still easily leading the league in points. He's playing as good as we've ever seen him. And then 
January 1st of 2011. The Winter Classic comes to Pittsburgh. Everybody's excited. Crosby versus Ovechkin. Penguins versus Capitals. The first outdoor game at Heinz Field. We're very excited for the Winter Classic on New Year's Day. Everything's happening. Then the game gets pushed back due to sun in Pittsburgh, which is definitely not something we expected. And then during the day, it starts to rain, mm. which makes it even worse. So the ice was not great for the players when they came out later in that day when the sun went down and the ice was good enough to play on. So at that point, already kind of a cursed game because the ice is not great. The weather is far from cooperating. Regardless, the players hit the ice. Penguins started off pretty well. Get a lead early. Game gets tied. And at the end of the second period, Sidney Crosby in the offensive zone trying to put the Penguins back up on top. Puck goes the other way. When Crosby turns to head back up the ice, he's ran into by the Capitals' David Steckel. And if you don't know which hit we're talking about, definitely go check it out. I mean, you should know which yeah. hit we're talking about. If you don't, just go type in David Steckel hit on Sidney Crosby. It is the hit that started two years, pretty much, of uncertainty around the game's best player. Now, the veracity of the hit, Steckel says he didn't see him. Crosby did not feel the same way. It seems as if Steckel didn't actually see him. If you watch it, it took me a couple years to, to get over <laughs> that fact. But if you watch it, it, it does truly look like it was incidental contact. Unfortunate because it was very, it, it was vicious contact, but it didn't seem like he meaned to do it. Crosby never really, I don't think, ever forgave Steckel for that. But then Sid comes back to return to play in the third period, only to be taken out a couple games later from a hit into the boards by Victor Hedman on the 5th of January. So this hit changed the course of the next two seasons for the Pittsburgh Penguins, almost changed the course of history for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you remember, Horwat, about the early days of 2011, the first week of 2011, when all of this was happening? Start from the hit, talk about whenever he actually went out. Uh, what, what, what do you remember throughout all of this? You see, this was just so long ago that I don't remember much from from the hit happening to a certain point, maybe not that off season, but a certain point later that season for sure. I think I just don't remember all the details of it. We weren't sure exactly how long it was going to be. Yeah, he played um, a game or two after, but clearly that. He shouldn't have, but we didn't know that back then. But now you you kind of dug into this whole point of, you know, is he ever going to play again? That's kind of the first real – that's kind of the first memory I have of it was when the whole um, – not retirement, but the whole he might not actually be able to ever play again conversation started. And that wasn't until at least two, three months later. So I don't remember the initial stuff, but um, two, three months later, that's my first memory of it all. Uh, from then on, I mean, I was just a kid in eighth grade. <laughs> I didn't really know much about any of it. So uh, my memory of it's very foggy, but there are some moments that I think we all sort of remember no matter what. And that that whole discussion of, you know, will he ever see the ice again was my first one. 
Mm-hmm. And from then on, it was just the occasional, hey, he skated, hey, no progress is being made. Hey, he skated again, but felt like felt awful. So who knows exactly what was going to happen. And um, yeah, I, it just wasn't a fun time. It was not. And it was a lot of regression. It was a lot of, hey, he's made progress. And then it was, now he's regressed back to it. And a lot of it was circled around headaches and migraines and he would feel great one day and feel awful the next. And you just had had no real track of any type of progress that he could make because it could it could go back to zero. Just just like that. Now, what I remember from that time is I was very excited about the team, mainly because, you know, Crosby went on that point streak. The Penguins were dominant Crosby? in the month of December. And they still didn't have Jordan Stahl back at that point. Jordan Stahl hadn't played a game. His first game of the season was the Winter Classic. So he was coming off of a foot surgery and then subsequent hand fracture. So he was coming back into the fold. And at that point, during the Winter Classic, whenever the Winter Classic was getting ready to be played, the Pittsburgh Penguins were very large Stanley Cup contenders. Very, very large favorites. And then you're brought, not even brought back down to earth by seeing Crosby get laid out on the ice like that. You're sent into the depths of hell when it comes to your enthusiasm. Whenever you see your star player, one of the best players in the league at that point, probably the best player in the league, go down that hard. Luckily, he played the rest of the game, and you you, you thought, all right, well, cool. It was just, it looked bad. It wasn't that bad. And then a couple days later, you see him get hit in the boards by Victor Hedman. Kind of an innocent play there, too. The hit that he took from Hedman, which is the one that, subsequently took him out for the rest of the season. Technically it was not, there was not a lot of principal head contact on it. So it, it was a clean hit. And unfortunately it took Sid out for the rest of the regular season. And as we'll talk about actually on our Thursday episode, cause we're going to do another one of these on Thursday for the 2011, 2012 season. As we see, it took him out for a while during that season as well. But I mean, the Penguins won eight to one though. Against the Lightning, that they won the game, they they completely obliterated the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ooh, uh, one thing I do I, that you just jogged my memory because of the hit. I think a lot of people also made the discussion of. I mean, none of this. I don't know if we know for certain, or at least of exactly what is certain and what isn't, and how much is uh, remembered and not. I think a lot of the um, question marks also rose of if it was a neck issue as well. If he had like a snapped. See, yeah. uh, thing in his neck or something at this point it wasn't yeah at this point it was just thought that he had con- like recurring yeah. concussion issues it, it was thought that it was a brain injury just complete brain injury there was nobody that looked at his neck until i believe the off season yeah okay. i i believe nobody even thought to look at his neck until the off season when he got a second opinion which is it's interesting because that's a similar situation to where jack eichel is in the present day yeah you know, he doesn't know what's going on. He wants to get a surgery to repair an injury that the Buffalo Sabres don't want him to get. And that's why there's tension. And hopefully Jack Eichel is freed and sent to another organization where he can get a surgery and he can play because that's where obviously we want to see. But with Sidney Crosby, it was thought to be concussion issues. And every time that he would be hurt, anytime we'd hear the injury report, it would be concussion-like symptoms, which would be continuing to stop. And it wasn't till in at least, I believe, the beginning of the 2011-12 season where they said, yeah, this is actually a neck injury that he can get surgery and it will be fixed. Yeah, it was definitely still the concussion stuff as well, though. And that 
for sure because yeah um that's kind of what really put him out but i remember the neck injury popping up so the neck injury was causing the concussions Okay. It, was, it was causing the, the concussion-like symptoms Okay, is what actually it was. It, it was not the fact that he kept getting concussed over and over right. again. It was the fact that his neck injury would give him the same symptoms, but they couldn't locate – they didn't think to look for the neck injury. So that's that was the whole thing with, with Sidney Crosby. And it was a scary time, as you mentioned, because there were some people that said he contemplated not coming back. That's a low point in anybody's life when you're trying to do something and constantly regressing back to this – awful place so it was a tough year for Sid and the Pittsburgh Penguins they needed a hero and as we'll talk about after a quick break that hero came in the form of Evgeny Malkin and it came in in a big way so let's talk a little bit you know before that Sid gets hurt at that time the Penguins are 27 12 and 3 and Sid was playing I wanted to throw this in before Sid was playing Connor McDavid level hockey at this point they're by the Connor McDavid level, I mean this past season, Connor McDavid, the 2021 McDavid who put up damn near two points a game. That's what Crosby was doing here in 41 games. I mean, I don't know if you said the exact numbers. 32 goals, 34 assists in 41 games on pace to absolutely crush his career high in points and just mm-hmm. um, at the age of 23 put a real stamp on who he is in this league and how – uh, much he could have really carried this team. This injury really derailed a lot of what he could have been that season and the next season, obviously. But, yeah, going forward from that, how did we do? What was our record again? Up to that point, with a, with Sidney Crosby, the Penguins were 27-12-3. So they're 27-15, and 15, about a 750 win percentage, mm-hmm. which is, in the NHL, extremely good. In any league, is extremely good. And they had just gotten Jordan Stahl back. Evgeny Malkin was playing pretty well. And then Sidney Crosby gets hurt. And we'll talk about how the Penguins regrouped after that. We'll talk about how the Penguins performed after that right after this quick break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going back in Penguins history on today's episode, talking about the 2010-2011 iteration of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We talked about the beginning of their season, up into the Sidney Crosby injury to this point. Following Sid's injury, the Penguins were in a pretty good spot. They were way above 500. They were one of the top teams in the league. And they had just lost their captain, which at the time looked like was going to be for the foreseeable future. It was an undisclosed amount of time. They had no idea. They couldn't provide a timetable. So you have to carry on without your captain, without the best player in the NHL. The first couple of games, and by first couple, basically the whole first month without Sidney Crosby, they played extremely well. They were 8-3-1 without Sidney Crosby in their first 12 games without him. It was impressive. And even with that, Evgeny Malkin had missed some games with a separate injury. He had played in seven, only had three assists. So there was something going on with Malkin as well. Well, well, what was going on was he would eventually miss the rest of the season himself. 
Exactly. He he missed the rest of the season with torn knee ligaments. Oh, which of course. At this point, looking back at that and thinking, wow, more torn knee ligaments. And now you have Sidney Crosby out. You have Evgeny Malkin out. And now it's down to Jordan Stahl. Oh, boy. Jordan Stahl, who missed the beginning of the season with a fractured hand, who was coming off of surgery in his own right. It was looking bleak for the Pittsburgh Penguins, although they had played extremely well. Mm -hmm. They were playing very, very well at that point. But, of course, Evgeny Malkin, he had 15 goals and 37 points in 43 games that season. Not peak Evgeny Malkin by any means. But still, fluttering closely to a point-per-game player that, when Crosby is out historically, if he would have stayed healthy, we could have expected Evgeny Malkin to be the normal, impressive Evgeny Malkin that he was. But, of course, in February against the Buffalo Sabres, tears his ACL and MCL on a hit by Tyler Myers in the corner. It was it was not a good hit. If you go back and watch that video, his face, whenever he gets hit and goes down to the ice, is not a pretty sight. Yeah. And he, similar to Crosby, would also miss the rest of the regular season. So it was a bleak outlook. And from all of that, though, there was one shining moment that even now I look back and I'm very impressed by the then Penguins general manager, Ray Shiro, trading Alex Goligoski to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Matt Niskanen and James Neal. Where does this rank to you among the in-season trades of the Sidney Crosby era? So at the time, not phenomenal considering Neal that season. One goal, five assists mm -hmm. in his first 20. But where does it rank for... It's so hard because, yeah, he built a phenomenal... Uh, you know what? It ranks pretty highly. Now that I'm kind of really thinking about it, I mean... Him, Malkin, and Latang, I mean, they destroyed the shortened season themselves. Mm -hmm. They made themselves if Crosby played that year, they made Crosby look inferior for one for a season. Um that firing line, I believe they called him. So for what it's worth, it's up there. I can't exactly tell you where it ranks, but it's definitely very, very good. Especially considering we traded away Goligoski. Yeah. Uh yeah, Goligoski no slouch in the league either. I mean he, at the time of the trade, I mean, he had 31 points on our blue line, mm -hmm. which is pretty impressive. So um, I think it really just does depend on how you look at James Neal in Pittsburgh. I mean, we got his best years. We definitely got his best seasons out of him. Um, sure, he went on to have a couple of good ones in Nashville. His one in Vegas was, was pretty stellar, but we've seen he hasn't been able to do anything. He played with McDavid and couldn't do that much. So mm -hmm. I'd definitely say it's up there. We got him at the right time and for a pretty good price. So it's definitely up there. I just don't know how exactly to put it. And you said it was a ratio. Yeah, ratio deal. Mm -hmm. Ratio was a king at that. He, he knew how to make trades. There's a lot of trades that Shiro made that were really headline grabbing. And when you look at in-season trades, you think of, okay, the trade to bring in Bill Guerin was was really big. The trade to bring in Marion Hosa was extremely big. The trade to bring in Jerome Ginla was, was huge. So I think, did I already say that? No, I, I was mentioning Bill Guerin first. But if I look at this Niskanen James Neal deal, I would rank it higher than the Ginla deal. Ooh, well, I would yeah. rank it, I, I would, I would 
put it on par with the Marion Hosa deal because of the effect that it had for years to come. Matt Niskanen was a solid defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins the entire time that he played for them. He was a solid defenseman for the Washington Capitals when he left Pittsburgh. And James Neal, I mean, the guy, as we'll talk about on Thursday, was a 40-goal scorer. The guy was able to become this absolute sniper and lethal goal scorer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was basically Phil Kessel before Phil Kessel is what he was. He wasn't able to go out there and lead his own line, but he was able to go out there and play with Evgeny Malkin to the same extent that Phil Kessel was whenever he came later in the, in the decade. He was a bit more of a bumper and a grinder than Phil. So he was like the yeah. chippier to Phil Kessel, which I like that comparison a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it may not have started off great, but he, like we will talk about eventually, he flipped it around and became an all-star winger on this team. He did, and I, you know, just kudos to Ray Shiro because I feel like that trade gets forgotten a lot when people go back and look at the Ray Shiro era in Pittsburgh. And I mean, understandably so. You see how effective Bill Guerin was to going and winning a cup. You know, you bring in J- Jerome Ginla and UC Okunin, everything that he did in that lockout season in 2013, and then the Marion Hosa deal was something that a lot of Penguins, even though Marion Hosa is not thought of as fondly in Pittsburgh. But the deal itself is thought of as a great deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I, I just feel a lot of people forget about this. Yeah, I mean, the Hosa one, I mean, you got to f- figure. You shipped out, who was it? Armstrong. Eric Christensen. Yeah, Armstrong and Christensen for the best playoff season Marion Hosa ever had, I think. When I remember, I think that was his most productive uh, postseason. And Dupuis, who would become a not cornerstone, but become a, just an integral part of the team for years to come. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's a very good deal one way or the other. But this, and I can see where you're putting this one up there with it. It's a Ray Shiro deal that lasted the longest, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as much as I enjoy Dupuis, you got the extended production out of both players. You were two for two, batting a 1,000 in this deal that he made. So a great job by Ray Shiro on that one. And following the Malkin injury, the Pittsburgh Penguins came back down to reality a little bit. Not awful, but they did play 15-10-4 after the Malkin injury. They finished the season on a four-game win streak to land themselves in second place in the Atlantic Division. Technically tied for first with Philly, but did not get the tiebreaker. So when you're thinking about the fact that, okay, no Evgeny Malkin for the last couple months of the season. No Sidney Crosby, basically for the entire second half of the season. And this team still finished second in the Atlantic Division with guys like James Neal, who at this point you know, was, was doing okay for the Penguins, not fantastic. And Jordan Stahl, who was helping lead the Pens. And I believe, if I'm not incorrect, this was Tyler Kennedy's big year yes. as well. Yeah, he was fourth on the team in scoring. He was... Uh, 21 goals, 24 assists for 45 points. Only three behind Kunitz. Um, and actually only five behind Latang. In reality, a couple of points here and there, a couple of secondary assists. Who knows? He's the second leading scorer behind Crosby. But, I mean, without Crosby, you can basically say he was the leading scorer on the team. Yeah. And Tyler Kennedy, you is he your favorite former Penguin at this point? Uh, it's still got to be Moose, I think. It's still got to be Hedberg? think so i mean yeah shorter tenure and definitely still not as local but uh they're up there they're both up there i think the kennedy thing is just interesting because i don't know why i gravitated towards him 
I don't know why I did. Maybe it was just this season. Um, but it was fun stuff, and I love that for a little while at least he still made the jokes himself. He would make the jokes himself that he would always miss the net. Um, so yeah. Also, are we going to talk about that one game? Because you mentioned the Islanders earlier. Which one game are you are you speaking of? Oh, that one game. You know what? The the Penguins and the Islanders. That one game. I need to s- there's tw- there's several games between the Penguins and the Islanders. I'm not sure exactly which one you're talking about. 2011. The oh, how many penalty minutes was this? I can't do that. Ah, uh, right yes. Yeah, that game because that I, because this came after the Crosby and Malkin injury. Neither of them were in, and I mean Stahl was there, but this was the this was a game that really focused on boy oh boy. Uh, some of the best moments of Paul Steigerwald's career. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was you. I mean, we mentioned the New York Islanders are intertwined within this Crosby era team, yep. even when Crosby wasn't playing. But th- this era of Penguins hockey, the Islanders have always seemed to find themselves in the thick of things. I mean, whether that's in regular season games such as this one or in playoff series, which has happened all throughout the 2010s and now to start the 2020s as well. So it was that that entire experience of watching that game i do still vividly remember that game I well, let what are some of the memories that you have i think let me get the date on it it was february 11th okay so cuz i just remember at the time i lived me and my parents or me and my mom and step me my dad and my stepmom lived with our uncle and I just remember watching this game on my little TV in my room. I don't know why I specifically watched this game. This was an era of my life where I wasn't fully focused on hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember why I put this game on. I think something had happened maybe the, the game before we, when we played the Islanders or the, the like a few games before that you kind of knew a powder keg was about to explode and go off. And it did in a huge way. Yeah, the last time, that's right. The time they played each other before was the was the uh, Brent Johnson knockout. So yeah, that makes sense. So everyone kind of knew it was coming. Maybe that's why I was watching this game beginning to end. And I remember it being the first time I was really just, I don't know why, I just felt infuriated with the sport of hockey. Like, I don't know if I, I like, yeah, fight here and there is to be expected, but this is one of those games you look at and you realize fighting can quickly, quickly get out of hand in this game. I mean, you got Goddard hopping the bench. You have a PF Chang ad, PF Chang's ad opening up on my computer for no reason. You have <laughs> um, just so much, so much nonsense that was happening. Trevor Gillies standing in the in the runway, barking at an injured mm, name's not coming to me. Who it was? He was yelling at. But just the wildest thing. And you look at some of these names, which it's, it's so funny seeing that some of these names are still on the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You look at Matt Martin. Who, by the who, way, took a 10-minute misconduct out of, it, five minutes into the second period. Yeah. Like he was Matt go- Martin finished with 27 penalty minutes in that game. Yeah. And he, he was like the fourth highest. There was like three more people in that game that had higher penalty minutes than him. That was long-haired Matt Martin, too. That was long-haired Matt Martin. I mean, just just as a point of reference, during that game, the Pittsburgh Penguins finished with 163 penalty minutes. Meanwhile, 
the New York Islanders finished with 183 penalty minutes. And and the final score of that game, as we mentioned, was not great for the Penguins. They lost by a score of 9-3. to Matt Molson had two goals in that game for the Islanders. It was his 20th and 21st of the season. Were those career highs? Uh, Matt Molson had a couple of seasons with the Islanders that he was playing pretty well. Uh, let's see. That season in particular, he had 31. Yes. <laughs> the following so, season, he had 36. Okay. I don't remember him being on the Islanders. I remember him being a saber, more or less. Uh, what else? What else happened in this game? Craig Adams all over the place. Tyler Kennedy scoring a power play goal late. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this? It. It's one of the most forgotten yet remembered games in Penguins history. Yeah. It was from an era where people tried to forget the Pittsburgh Penguins Wait, games. it was that Miko Koskinen? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is now Edmonton Oilers goaltender Miko Koskinen. What? Oh, shit. Okay. He only played four games that year. Whoa. That was back when he was a young prospect and not what the Edmonton Oilers still think is a young prospect in goal. Dude, his... His hockey reference page, his stats go from the four games in 2011 and jump all the way to 55 in 2018-19. Yeah. Dude, come on. Edmonton, what are you <laughs> doing? Uh, how does everything go back to Edmonton being bad? Uh, everything just circles around. It's the way of hockey <laughs> podcasting. Everything circles to Edmonton Oilers are bad at hockey. Oh, man. But, yeah, because I remember they, DiPietro wasn't even available for this. So No, because the game before was when – like you mentioned, yeah. Brent Johnston just smashed and cratered his face in. God, this this whole episode could or this whole game could be an episode in itself. I think it's yeah. um I I may have derailed our episode a little bit by asking about it, but it's I mean, looking back at Penguins history, it's it has to stand out one way or the it, other. It is one of the two most intriguing as far as physicality wise games in the penguins history the other one we'll talk about on thursday uh-huh. yeah for sure so it it was something that if you look back on it again urge you to we're urging a lot of people to go on youtube youtube should probably sponsor us at this point of this episode but we're urging you to go back on youtube and just look up the highlights of that game because they're they're pretty much low lights and just a bunch of fighting so if you enjoy fighting in hockey You'll enjoy what you see there. I mean, I don't know how anybody can enjoy watching that, but it was uh, it was crazy. It was also Nassau at its best. Also, do you want to hear these teams' yeah. records going into this game or after this game? Sure. After the game, after the Islanders picked up their 19th win of the season, they were 19-29-7. and They were a bad, bad team. People need to remember the Islanders yeah. were not good to start this decade off. No. Um, and the Penguins were... 35, 18, and 4. We were a great team without our two top centers. Um, but then this monstrosity of a game happened, but you know what? Sometimes we see games like this. I mean, we almost saw it this past season with the uh, Islanders and Capitals, but they were able to shut it down after the first period and actually play the game. This was mm-hmm. the different era. This was the tail end of that brute force era, I feel like. 2011. Yep into 12 a little bit yeah once we got to the lockout in 2012-13 yeah a lot of a lot of momentum switched in the league about how the game was played but all this to say that the penguins finished in second place in the atlantic division that year without crosby without malkin they headed into the playoffs crosby at this point was skating already again 
He was skating as the Penguins were going into the playoffs, but he was not cleared for contact, and they weren't sure whether or not he was going to be able to play. Game one of the series, Penguins versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Marc-Andre Fleury posts a 32-save shutout, and the Pittsburgh Penguins win the game 3 to nothing. And you're thinking, okay, no Crosby, no Malkin. Penguins still able to win game one. That's good. We can we can do this if Marc-Andre Fleury plays extremely well. Alex Kovalev scored in that game. Yes. <laughs> the reincarnation of Alex Kovalev. Alex Kovalev and Aaron Asham. Who let this team, anyway? Who let that team in the playoffs? I, I do not know. Uh, anyway, in game two, the Lightning were able to put up three first-period goals, and Dwayne Rolison saved 35 of 36 shots to give the Lightning a tied series, one-to-one, heading down to Tampa Bay. And at this point, okay, it's a pretty well-contested series. It's tied at one. Let's see what happens when the Penguins go to play on the road. Giving up an early 2-0 lead in game three was not great. Uh, Marty St. Louis had two goals, and at this point, I, he was still one of my favorite players, but it was frustrating. And the Penguins go down 2 to nothing. Tyler Kennedy leads the charge for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They come back, tie the game, and then TK himself gets the game-winning goal just 30 seconds later. And the Penguins win 3-2. to two, Which is... Or, sorry, I, I said that completely wrong. I have my notes here, and I read it backwards. I had dyslexia. The Penguins had an early 2 nothing lead, mm-hmm. but gave it up on two Martin St. Louis goals when they tied it, and then Tyler Kennedy gets the game-winning goal just 30 seconds later. I completely botched that. All good. I kind of... At first, it made sense until you, yeah. At first, it kind of made sense because you, I thought you said blowing a two-goal lead. Maybe I just misheard you. The Penguins gave up. Yeah, the Penguins blew a two-goal lead because Marty St. Louis scored two goals, and then Tyler Kennedy, after the game was tied, thirty seconds later, Tyler Kennedy got the game-winning mm-hmm. goal. And the Penguins, okay, they they take game three. They're up two to one. Then they take game four after also giving up another two-goal lead. This seems like an issue that they can't hold onto a lead, but we didn't really care. Because in double overtime, there's James Neal. The real deal. There's the real deal James Neal on one of the weakest goals I think Dwayne Rollison has ever given up in his career. And the Penguins take another 3-2 win, and they lead the series 3-1. And now, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're looking at this saying, okay, you know what? 3-1 lead. We won both games on the road. We might not have Crosby. We might not have Malkin. At this point, we're not sure what's going on with Crosby. He was skating. We, we might not have Crosby, we might not have Malkin, but we have Aaron Asham, who has scored three times. Yes, we have Aaron Asham, we have James Neal, we have Tyler Kennedy, and we have Marc-Andre Fleury, who's playing pretty well. So, you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, maybe they have a chance to just fight and scratch and claw until Crosby's ready. At this point, I know a lot of people were saying, hey, the Penguins get into the second round, I-, I feel like Crosby will be ready. He's skating, it doesn't seem like it's going bad again. And then, of course, it does go bad with Sidney Crosby skating. And he starts having his concussion symptoms again, as we mentioned earlier in in the show. And Game 5, Penguins looking to close it out their first season at Console Energy Center, trying to close out a series at Console Energy Center. Both Fleury and Brent Johnson in this game. We talk about how bad Marc-Andre Fleury was. We talk about how bad Tristan Jari was, honestly, in in this postseason. But both Fleury and Brent Johnson give up four goals in Game 5. And the Penguins lose by a score of 8-2. to two. They still have a 3-2 series lead, but they lose that game 8-2. to two, And you have zero momentum going back to Tampa Bay. You, I, yeah, this... Hey, look, Chris Connor. I mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> you lost to Teddy Purcell, who had three primary assists. 
Yeah. I, I love reading old hockey teams, like just the, some of the names. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. If three assists to Teddy Purcell in game five hurt, imagine how much it hurt when in game six, Ryan Malone gets a goal and an assist. Oh, tell me about it. Steve Downey scores one goal and two assists, mm-hmm. in two, including the game-winning goal, and the Tampa Bay Lightning win game six by a score of four to two. All of a sudden, you look at Marc-Andre Fleury, you have no idea if he's capable of stopping a puck. You know Brent Johnson isn't capable of stopping a puck right now. Meanwhile, on the other end of it, Dwayne Rolison is heating up, and you're getting a little scared going into game seven. With no Crosby still, and certainly no Evgeny Malkin, who's still recovering from torn ACL and MCL. And then, the, the, this is when it happens. This is when we look at Dwayne Rolison and that name forever gets etched in Penguins fans' memory. Because he has a 36 shades shutout. And the Tampa Bay Lightning eliminate the Penguins. Come back from a blown 3-1 to series lead. And what do you got, Horwath? A one-to-nothing game. One-to-nothing. Yes. A Sean Bergenheim. <laughs> Who? What a name. Uh, and... Assisted by Steve Downey and Dominic Moore. Yes, that Dominic Moore. Yes. Yes, that Dominic Moore. Um, yeah. Yeah. One to nothing. You know who could have helped that game? Either yep. of two players. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, one to nothing. Hell of a game on Fleury's part. You're stopping 20 th- 22 of 23. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. as high as you know, 30 But plus. in game seven... But in Game 7, you know what? You you give up one goal in Game 7. That's a good game. Your team couldn't mm-hmm. score in front of you. Yeah, it's, that's not a good look, man. But the Penguins also had well, a couple power play chances. But, hey, everyone shut it down in, on goaltending that day. So yep. I feel like a lot of people always forget that we blew a 3-0 three, three lead that um, series. Or 3-1 lead. 3-1. Uh, just because we look at it as the playoffs, we didn't have Crosby or Malkin. What were we supposed to do? Well, you had it a... was the only playoffs we didn't have either yeah. of those two. Like, well, you had a three to one lead. You figured something out. Now, I think this one hurts a little bit more for me because you look back on it and you say, "Wow, what could have been if those guys were healthy with this team?" Because this team, I mean. They went to Game 7. Tampa Bay wasn't a world beater as they are now, but you went to Game 7 without your top two centers. And your team was playing pretty well for the most part. Let's exclude Game 5. The team was playing pretty well in the other, I mean, in six of seven games here. Yeah, and the Lightning did go on to sweep the Capitals, so... They did. That's another fun fun little tidbit to this. But So, it seemed like another missed opportunity and it was you look at the Crosby and Malkin era. And while you will look back at it and say, Hey, they've won as of right now, three Stanley cups that how, how can you even say that you had missed opportunities? Well, there were plenty of missed opportunities. 2012, 13 was a huge missed opportunity. If they could have been healthy for the 2011 team, that team was great. And we'll get to it on Thursday. There's a huge missed opportunity that just we have no idea what happened in 2012. So I'm not sure. It's unfortunate because Crosby was on a pace to do what we saw McDavid do in 2021. But in a full season. But in a full season. He was on pace to be one of the greatest seasons, full seasons ever put together by a player. And he was chopped down in his prime. And at this point, you were thinking, hey, we don't know if he's coming back. 
the, the thought processes were really low after 2010-11 because you had a first-round playoff loss. You had Malkin coming off of knee surgery. You had Crosby, which you have no idea what's going on. And then, as we'll talk about on Thursday, you had a interesting, interesting offseason between these two years. Horwat, any last thoughts before we send the folks home? We, we do not have a weekly pens poll this week simply because this is an evergreen episode that we're recording a couple weeks earlier. So, Horwat, any last words before we send the folks home for the first time this week? Uh, no, I got nothing. It's been a really good episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this little walk down memory lane. We'll do it again in a couple days, talking about the 2011-2012 Pittsburgh Penguins. But for right now, we say goodbye. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts. And thank you for following on all of our social media sites. We appreciate everything that you guys do for us. And for now, we say goodbye. Have a good week, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.